Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Rodcast, weekday mornings on the Horn. Welcome back to the broadcast. It is a freak flag feel good. Fake it till you make it. 512 Rick Flair. Woo! Friday edition of the broadcast with myself, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers, and my man Patrick Davis. And Patrick Davis is the idealionaire on the show. He came up with 512 Friday. A way to show some love to the local bands and artists here in Austin, but also give you the opportunity to catch these very talented folks live and see uh, what they're all about. And Patrick, who are we jamming right now for 512 Friday? This is Club Coma, and they're doing their single release party tonight at Hotel Vegas. Nice, there you go. I said my man Patrick will make you look cool. He'll make you look cool. He'll make you, uh, you know, feel like you're cool in front of all your friends because you'll know exactly where all the hot spots are, where all the best uh, bands and live music is playing on the weekend. You can take your friends out, significant other out, and all you got to do is let Patrick do all the hard work. All you got to do is listen to 512 Fridays. Uh, speaking of 512, 512-447-3776, that is the number to the text line. Uh, we'll have the uh, big fat poll of the day. Um, actually, we'll have that posted on social media after the show. But uh, the big fat poll of the day from earlier in the show uh, was, what was it, Patrick? Biggest at- freaks that you've seen? Biggest athletic freaks or yeah, the most who athletic is, freaks Who is the seen? greatest freak athlete you have ever seen? Yeah, we went down that rabbit hole. Um, and honestly, I, I, don't think we, I don't think we ever, I don't think we ever like uh, ended up choosing one specific athlete that was more freakish than the other. We just kind of went down a list of a whole lot of freakish athletes. And, yeah, man, the list is long. We're, we're in that mindset because of the NFL Combine. A lot of freakish athletes showcasing their skills at the NFL Combine. And we've talked about that. Uh, you have JT Sanders, who will be the latest Longhorn representing in the on-field drills. Who will be participating yet, I'm assuming, this morning. Uh, they're they're uh, getting the on-field drill started. So we'll give you some updates if they come out during the show. Uh, also, Xavier Worthy's already speaking with the media. I've seen some of his audio. We'll try to get you some of that before the show is over. Uh, we have Raj rant of the day that will be coming up in this segment. I'll tell you about the uh, the macro factors that are affecting uh, the Longhorns draft stock. We'll also talk about NFL rule changes. A couple of those have been proposed already. And we'll talk about the Cowboys, what the Cowboys are looking at, looking for in this uh, at this NFL combine uh, that may affect their draft decision. So we got a lot to get into. Got to cram it all into uh, the next couple of hours here. Uh, we do have our horn headlines as well, though, and we don't want to forget about those my man patrick always hooks us up with our horn headlines horn headlines for you on a friday from presented by top gun rentals uh the suns last night outlasted the rockets 110 to 105 in houston uh jalen green puts up 34 points jabari smith jr adds 11 points and 16 rebounds but not enough as booker and duran combined for 59 points uh to get the win over 
Uh, the Rockets, the Rockets did not shoot well enough in that game. Thought they could have a shot in it, but uh, the Suns too much firepower for the Rockets. They continue their quest uh, for an NBA championship. With that, Bradley Beal did not play in the game. Uh, hopefully, those three will get back together soon. Uh, the Spurs return home from their rodeo road trip with a big win over the number two seeded Oklahoma City Thunder, one thirty-two to one eighteen. Uh, SGA puts up thirty-one points for the Thunder, but not enough against Wimbenyama, twenty-eight points. 13 rebounds and seven assists and five blocks. He also got in on uh, steals and just putting up all of the stats. He also had this to say after the game, after a great fourth quarter performance and uh, two big threes, a big block on Chet Holmgren, all of that. Here's what Wimby had to say after the game, speaking to the crowd. I missed it. Wembenyama speaking after the game to the crowd, giving some love. He does lead a Grow Spurs Go chant as well after that. Uh, Texas men's basketball taking on Oklahoma State this weekend on Saturday. Looking for their first back-to-back wins in over a month. Have not had back-to-back wins or back-to-back losses in the month of February. Now getting into March, see if they can continue off their win. Uh, Texas Tech on the road earlier this week. Uh, game against Oklahoma State on Saturday. Texas women's basketball taking on BYU in their final game of the regular season on Saturday as well, 7 p.m. at the Moody Center doing 10K for 10K. If they are able to draw 10,000 people to the Moody Center, Vic Schaefer will donate $10,000 to the Neighborhood Longhorns Foundation. Uh, We also see Texas baseball headed down to Minute Maid Park for the Astros Foundation College Classic this weekend, taking on some top 10 teams. Uh, Number three, LSU tonight. LeBaron Johnson Jr. should be your predicted starter for tonight. Your probable starter for tomorrow is Charlie Hurley against Texas State. And then on Sunday, they'll be taking on number nine uh, Vanderbilt with Cody Howard expected to take the mound for the Texas Longhorns. That is your Horn Headlines. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Come enjoy food, beer, and the best deals of the year on all zero-turn mowers and steel lawn equipment in stock at both locations March 22nd and 23rd. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right. um, We'll get ready for – actually, might as well just get right into Raj's rant of the day here because I want to get to uh, this uh, topic of – external factors that may be affecting the draft stock of players. I think it's related, actually. I think I'll start uh, with a rule change in the NFL, go down the rabbit hole, and you guys know how that goes. So let's start Rod's rant of the day. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right. uh, First off, some NFL uh, rule changes that are on the table. Uh, They're thinking about uh, changing the intentional grounding rule. Uh, the competition committee has discussed and will continue to discuss adjusting the grounding rule. They are considering a proposal to make no distinction between the quarterback being in the pocket or outside of the pocket. Um, so that's basically what the distinction would be. The quarterback, even if he was in the pocket, would only have to get the ball back to the line of scrimmage to avoid a grounding penalty. They had 59 intentional grounding calls in 2023 uh, with only two drives that featured an intentional grounding call ending with a touchdown. So essentially, they want to make it easier to play quarterback. Why? 
because the NFL has played more backup quarterbacks in the last two years than they have in the history of the game. Yeah. It, <laughs> so the more games they play, the more quarterbacks they're playing. They played 66 different quarterbacks last season. you got teams that are playing third-string quarterbacks now um, with regularity. What is going to happen when they go to 18 games, which is inevitable when they yeah. go to 18 games, they're going to ne- need more quarterbacks. So they're just trying to make the quarterback position a little bit easier to play for your backup quarterback. That's, that's just my interpretation of it. Yeah, and I, I think there's the, they want to protect the quarterback, is, but it's also that all those rules they keep doing to allow the quarterback a little bit more leverage to try and get outside the pocket. And you're just like, these are the plays that hurt quarterbacks because they rip their knees up or hurt their ankle because they're trying to get out of a sack and they're trying to extend that play and trying to twist and throw the ball downfield as they're getting hit in the pocket. And you're like, no, no, it, you know who guys who didn't get hurt? was when Peyton Manning or Brett Favre, they would just fall over when a sack was coming, and they'd, take and they they would, yeah. they'd embrace for impact, and they'd be ready, and they'd be able to take these hits. But guys now, because we see Patrick Mahomes be able to spin out of a sack and then get a playoff, everyone's trying to extend that play one little bit further, and that's how you rip your leg apart or rip your hip or hurt any of those injuries because you're, you're bending your body in ways it's not supposed to be bent. And we just see that happen too often now. And I, I'm not sure if it's going to necessarily prevent injuries or we're going to see guys, you know, have those issues still where they, you know, try and go for a big move. And as they're twisting and falling, trying to throw the ball, I think it'll lead to more interceptions because, you know, if you're yeah. not outside the pocket and you're trying to throw the ball past the line of scrimmage and to where nobody's at, you know, that you could float one out there pretty easily to get picked off. Troy Vincent said most of the quarterback injuries occur in the pocket. Um, so he said it may be time to evolve this particular call to protect the quarterback both in and outside the pocket. Um, I agree with you. I think sack avoidance now is, and it, it, I think it should be an official stat, but I think sack avoidance is a bigger priority for offensive coordinators and offensive yeah. play callers. There's actually an interesting little nugget if you're watching the dynasty uh, about the Patriots. I think I don't know. I think that's what it's called. But they whatever about the Patriots dynasty yeah, yeah. is a documentary on Apple Plus, and they remark that Drew Bledsoe would often because Drew Bledsoe was all battered up. He was all beat up, right? He had the he was basically a statue in the pocket. Had, had dealt with some serious injuries, and they said at times he would almost accept sacks too easily. That once he saw it coming. He would just, you know, hey, fold up in a fetal position and let it happen. And a young Tom Brady wasn't doing that. Young Tom Brady yeah. was fighting for his life, trying to keep a play alive, trying to make any play he could. And you're right. I mean, some quarterbacks have a different mentality with that. And I, I, I want a quarterback that fights for those that to keep the play alive. Yeah. Keep the play alive, extend the play, and let's see what your second reaction skill set is going to be. But that is also, you know, a consideration by the rules committee right now. Uh, but this is the one I think affects that kind of going to get me on my rant here. So the, uh, the NFL is and should be considering a rule change for the kickoff. Uh, that is something that they've been talking about for a long time. But now uh, Pro Football Talk and several other reports claim that this uh, proposal is gaining a lot of momentum within the ownership of the NFL. Remember, they got to get three-fourths of the vote to uh, change any rule. And uh, Troy Vincent said that he currently believes that there is momentum to change the NFL kickoff and kickoff return to an XFL-style kickoff and kickoff return. For those who don't know about the XFL-style kickoff return, it is very different. They have, at this point, a 90%. XFL has a 90% return rate on their kickoff returns, which is absurd. 
and the NFL is dealing with a higher-than-ever touchback rate. Essentially, the, the kickoff has become a wasted play. Like, no, nobody pays attention to the kickoff kick return. Every kickoff was a touchback in the Super Bowl, every last one of them. Only 22 kick, 22% of kickoffs were returned last season. And like I said, all 13 of the kickoffs in the Super Bowl were touchbacks. The XFL, and by the way, this is the NFL's doing. They shadow banned the kickoff because it was the most dangerous play in football. I've had three shoulder surgeries. Two of them was because I got hurt on kickoffs. All right, on essentially concepts that have been now banned since the wedge. You can't have a wedge anymore, so I don't have to blow up the wedge, which is how I initially got my shoulder injury. It is still the most violent play in football. Even when there's not a return, there is still car crashes and, and high-speed collisions happening at the, at the front part of the, uh, the return because the returner, he's way back, and yeah, maybe a touchback, but the guys blocking don't know that. So they're still blocking. Yeah. And they're still getting into these many car crashes, still getting, you know, concussions and the NFL's worried about that. So they essentially shadow banned or they they took the they took the essentially the the spirit out of the kickoff, which was supposed to be an actual play where you had a return. Now they just want it to be a touchback, but now they believe it's a wasted play, that it's a moot play, and they want to bring the excitement back to the kickoff, but they also want to keep it safe. The XFL model allows you to do that. So the XFL model has the kicker kicking from the 30-yard line, and while the rest of the kickoff team begins at the opposite 35-yard line, they're only separated from 10 members of the receiving team by five yards. So the receiving team and the kickoff coverage team are actually five yards apart. The only people that move prior to the ball being caught is the kicker. That's it. He's the only person that moves. Then when the ball is caught – everybody can, can move then once the ball is caught. And apart from the kicker the retur- and the returner, so the returner can move too to adjust to the ball. But the kicker and the returner are the only ones that move uh, prior to the ball being kicked. And none of the special teamers are allowed to move until the ball is fielded. Uh, that differs greatly from the NFL, which is set at 35, a 35-yard line where the kickoff team is also lined up and allows both teams to move and gather steam and momentum before they in- inevitably end up running into one another. So it's a safer kickoff return, and like I said, 90% of their kickoffs have been returned uh, this season. For the NFL, that number is in around 30%. Last season, 34 percent of kickoffs and 36 percent of punts were returned for the xfl they're at 90 percent and 63 percent of their punts the kickoffs returned the reason i bring this up is because there's a lot of momentum for this to pass in march to be ready for the new year if you're a keelan robinson yeah and you're probably not going to get drafted you're probably going to be an undrafted free agent but if they pass this rule, in a, some NFL teams, not all of them, but some of them will decide, all right, we got to prioritize special teams. I need a returner. Because the reason teams stop putting their best athletes at return, remember, the best athletes, we just talked about freakish athletes. They used to all return kicks back in the day. Yeah. You know, they put Randy Moss back there situationally. Deion Sanders will be returning kicks. He talked about that. Hell, I seen Daryl Green returning kicks back in the day. You would put your elite athletes back there. Because you believed you had a chance at a big play. Well, when they took the, you know, essentially they, you know, took the the guts and the heart and the spirit out of the kickoff because they wanted to make it safer. Uh, they wanted to legislate that safety within that play. 
well, NFL teams and coaches decided, well, I'm not going to even worry about putting my best players back there. And it was also dangerous to put your best players back there when they could end up getting injured. Guys like Rod B running down with 30, 40 yards of momentum and steam, and I'm trying to take that guy's head off. Do you really want your $25 million a year receiver out there catching that kick like Tyreek Hill? Probably not. Yeah. But if they make it safer, which they are, and the, the returns, at least you're going to have a lot more double-digit returns, probably 20, 30 yards because there's going to be so much field that the coverage team is going to have to cover. If you get to an elite athlete back there or an, uh, an elite uh, burner back there, a guy with elite speed like Keelan Robinson or an Xavier Worthy or whatever, you could really get some hidden yardage out of your return game. So these are the type of macro factors that could potentially increase Keelan Robinson's draft stock if it does indeed happen yeah. prior to him going into training camp. No, it would be huge to get that in there. I mean, and I think it even for Ryan Watts, if you, you know, for defensively on special teams, to have a yeah. guy that, you know, you think can make a big play for you on defensive special teams because we know that he's talked about being more open to special teams and those types of things. I think on both ends of the uh, the field, you're going to see those guys get in a little bit more. I, I like it a lot more because it is a fun play to watch. You know, it sucks to have plays in the game where, you know, it feels like they don't matter anymore and it's a foregone conclusion. And then when you do run it out, they don't normally do as well. I get, I get the player safety, but this seems to work better. You know, and if you can't get the numbers on it until you do- try it, go try it for a season. Get it out this season. It, rather than waiting it for another year and then someone else has a different solution that may or may not be better. I, I, I'm i all for putting this solution out there and, and trying it out this season because I think it would bring, bring back that part of the game. And, and, you know, like the Cowboys signed Kevontae Turpin a year or two years ago, and that was one of those pieces was, well, he was going to be a return man. But the return game's kind of gone. If you bring that back, well, now he becomes a bigger threat again. Exactly. Exactly. Now you can use that explosivity. Yeah. I think it's a problem with you. And, and NFL, what I love about the NFL is they will change a rule yeah. one year. If they don't like it, they'll change it back. Well, and the NFL they, they, will change it. They're an experimental league. They'll change in season. They will. Yeah. They, they've done stuff where they yeah. go, hey, this is not full change, but a tweak. But where they say, yeah. all right, we're going to move it to five yards or we're going to, you know, the rules. Or we're going to officiate it differently. We're yes, going to interpret exactly. that rule differently. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They do that a lot, actually. <laughs> um, matter of fact, we have sound of Troy Vincent. Here's Troy Vincent. Um, I believe he's on with Pro Football Talking Chris Sims. These guys are making the rounds. They're doing some good stuff. Um, and he actually talks about this new rule change and talks about the momentum uh, behind changing the NFL's kickoff. Where are we going to go with the kickoff in 2024? We met with the special team coaches this past Sunday. They briefed the committee on what they've researched from the CFL, the USFL, the XFL. You're lining up 10 yards apart, balls kick. Right. No one moves until actually oh, the returner, receive. the right. receiver That's receives right. the ball. There's a huge penalty if, if there's a touchback. Based uh. off of that setup, it changes. Yeah, you might not want some of yeah. the bigger yeah. special four teams to six players use, on right? your roster. Exactly yeah. right. But I heard something about possibly touchback moving to the 35 on a kickoff. This was part of the model that special teams coaches are considering to encourage the returns. Return. You to put the ball in the end return. zone, the other team's getting the ball at 35. 35. It's encouraging to hear that they're accepting of it, but have they gotten back into oh, a Chris, corner basically where they were like... It was a completely different. It was night and day okay. from 12 months ago. Right. You can't have no option. When the coaches finished 90 minutes later, yeah. how excited they were. That's Is right. there a growing confidence then of a chance to get into 24? Do Mike, you feel I believe like you so. get to 24? I believe so, Mike. Okay, yeah, that's cool to hear. So. Just, right. just that's them news, leaving folks. Out. Yeah, we're I, making news yeah, this morning. Yeah, I believe so.
Yeah, there you go. I mean, they're talking about changing, and and it's worth it. It's smart by the NFL. That everybody knows that that is a wasted play, and the NFL is trying to. They are are trying their best to make every potential play dramatic, right? That's why they that's why they moved the extra point back. Extra point was too damn easy. They're like, nah, it's yeah. too easy. We got to move that thing back. What happened? Super Bowl, extra point blocked. <laughs> All right? They won't they won't drama in every play. The punt punt and punt return still have drama. You, know, you had a punt, uh, you know, uh, a punt fumbled and a, you know, uh, in the Super Bowl, right? You had a, a fumble in the Super Bowl on a special teams play, on a punt. So there's still drama involved with that play. They want teams to start going for two more because there's more drama involved. It kind of reminds me, you know, the NFL is a TV show, right? So they, they, they produce it like a TV show. That's why it's so much better than every other sports product out there. And... You know, with TV shows, sitcoms back in the day, they used to have great television theme songs. You know, uh, you know this, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. I love me some television theme songs, right? They cut out the television theme songs. Now they just have like a, a musical open for maybe five seconds or ten yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. Some, some, some shows don't even do that. They just open it up, done. This is the way they open up the show. And if you even notice the credits at the end of the show, they don't run credits like they used to. Nope. The, credit is, they, the credits are playing while the scene is playing, right? Because they figured out, well, America's going to tune out that minute of a theme song at the beginning of the show. And not me, because I love television theme songs. But they're going to tune out that minute at the beginning, and they're going to tune out the credits at the end. So you just lost an audience there. But if you just cut the credits and make it a scene, and at the beginning of the, uh, the show, you have no theme song, just open it up like Seinfeld does. And that's it. People will stick around more. Yeah. That's what the NFL is doing here. Their kickoff was essentially, it was credits, it was a theme song. People were tuning it out. Now you bring drama back to it. Hey, man, come in with that, with that quick open, that cold open, and people will stick around for it. I mean, and you and talk, that's basically what I'm seeing. Yeah, and you talk about you know commercials and you know trying to have stuff going in and out of breaks. Well, you score a touchdown if the extra points from the three yard line, and then the kickoff doesn't matter. Then I, as soon as a touchdown scored, I'm gone. I'm going to the bathroom. I'm going to get something to eat, <laughs> and I come back when the offense comes back on the field. But you if go. you say, well, now the extra point is not a given anymore, and on the flip, the the kickoff, something big could happen, you have to sit through that commercial break because you yes, can't you miss a second. And if you sit through Drama. the commercial break, those numbers is what advertisers want to see, and that's money, and that's where they want to go. So if you fix those two pieces that are going to be your bookend around a lot of commercial breaks, then you know, you're helping those advertisers, and that's what they want to do. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. And I think I said it, it actually helps, I believe, my man like Kenny yeah. Robinson because I think he increases his draft value. Okay, real quick, I wanted to get these other um, examples out here of NFL trends and, and, and helping or actually hurting sometimes uh, NFL draft stock. The NFL now, they're playing more two high safeties than ever played. 45% of the NFL's defense are starting out with two deep safeties, two deep safeties. What that means is you're going to play with a lighter box, a light box when you have fewer defenders than you have blockers. Well, that's perfect for defenders like Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. It's, it's, a, it's an ideal ecosystem for them to increase their value because if I'm going to play with a lighter box defensively, then I need a def, I need an interior D lineman that can either, one, demand a double team. That flips the numbers advantage back in my favor from having, a obviously, a light box. And now you, take, you put two on to block my one. Well, boom, the numbers advantage now evens out or flips back in my favor. Or you have human beings that are so gargantuan, that are so mammoth that they essentially can clog up multiple gaps with their presence alone. Yeah. Byron Murphy 
and to Vondre Sweat can both do that. And that's why, if you look at the 16 highest-paid defenders in the 2023 season uh, in the NFL, eight of them are interior defensive linemen because defensive coordinators and GMs around the league have figured this out. It's like, no, no, no. We got to play more too high deep safeties to defend the pass with numbers, and we're going to win the running game with one-on-one matchups. And if you're going to do that, then you need disruptive defenders like a Byron Murphy who demand a double team, or you're going to need a defender like a Tavondre Sweat who's so mammoth and so massive that they – clog up multiple gaps with just their size alone. Yeah. That's why those two guys are going to make a lot of money in the league. That's why D tackles right now are the more so than any other position. They are dominating the highest paid defenders list uh, in the NFL because every team needs this if you're going to play modern defense. Yeah, and I mean, there's decent edges that are on benches right now. There's not really decent D tackles that can do that on any benches. Those guys, you know, no, you don't have right. the amount yeah. of players that can do it at that high level that are that size and that ability with that footwork and that engine to go and be your every down guy. There's just not a ton of those. It's like quarterbacks. Those positions, they're going to get value because there's probably not 32 that should be starters. And if you say, well, there's not 32, then it costs a lot more money because for an edge, they cost plenty of money, but you can go get somebody else and fill that position. You can get somebody. Those defensive tackles, if you get the right one, Man, it sets your defense apart. It really does, man. And yeah, you're paying for that value at the <laughs> at the edge position because everybody covers that. So maybe they're trying to get you know the best value and bargain. Yeah. Um, but there's no question about it. Right now, D tackle is trending, and that's really good for Tavondre Sweat. And, and let's and be really clear: it, you can have the two best edges in the world if you don't have a D tackle. They can double team both those and single team. You know, if you're running, you know, with three linemen, they can just double team on there and go one on one. So you, if you can put someone on your D tackle to take away a double team off your edge and let those guys run, man, it makes everything a lot easier. It does. And here's another thing. I want to get to this real quick because I know we're up against it. I guess I can finish up the rest of these on the other side when um, we talk some Cowboys too. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of talk about tight ends in the NFL now. You can look at the final four teams, right? Look at their tight ends. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. <laughs> I mean, it goes on. Uh, yeah. Even – um, what's the young man? Sam Laporta, right? Yeah. They just drafted a tight end. Detroit Huge drafted piece. one. He broke all types of rookie records, right? Really good. There, Right now, there's an argument to be made that tight end might be the best value in this salary cap league along with having a starting quarterback on a rookie deal. If you go look at, like, look at, take Travis Kelsey, for instance, right? Um, Travis Kelsey from 2016 to 2022. He raked only behind Devontae Adams in receiving yards. <laughs> and if you include postseason, he actually led the league in receiving yards from 2016 to 22. Well, look at his career earnings: 76 million dollars. Allen Robinson has higher career earnings at wide receiver than Travis Kelsey does at tight end. Brandon Cooks has made 108 million dollars in his career. Travis Kelsey has made 76. Travis Kelsey finished third in catches. Eighth in yards and second in touchdowns in the year 2022, yet he had he, he made 12 million dollars less than Kenny Galladay, six million less than Nelson Aguilar, Corey Davis made more than he did, Tyler Boyd made more than Travis Kelsey. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. The the value you can if you can get if you can get wide receiver one production out of a tight end, which Kittle does, which Laporta does, which Andrews does, which Kelsey does. If you can get that kind of production out of a tight end, 
you get you get you pay for it, you pay tight end prices for wide receiver production. Man, remember, remember this is the this, this is a great value, Patrick. Remember when Jimmy Graham <laughs> tried to change it when they were going to franchise tag him and he wanted to be tagged yes. as a wide receiver, and they were like, "No, no, no, yes. no, you sir, you're a tight end." Tight end. And that's the thing. They're like, "No, no, that's why we love you because you're not a great wide receiver, but you are a great tight end, and we'll keep you here, and that money is perfect, and we'll, we'll expand and we'll win a bunch of games oh. because that salary cap's not a problem for us because you we got a number one tight end." If you're a Brock Bowers or JT Sanders, you got to start spreading this message, man. Oh, yeah. The average top five tight end makes $14 million a year. The average top five wide receiver makes $27 million a year, damn near double. If Taylor Swift Travis can't Kelsey, get that message out, I don't know who can. <laughs> How about this before we go to break? Travis Kelsey has the most receiving yards in the NFL since 2015, but he ranks 20th, 20th in receiver earnings if you were to compare him to all the wide receivers. Jeez. Unbelievable. That is value, baby. So JT Sanders, he's he's great value in my opinion. To, that, that helps his draft stock right there. All right, we'll come back. I got some more examples of that. And we'll also hear from uh, Will McClay about the Cowboys and what they're eyeing at the NFL Combine. All that and more. When we return on the Rodcast uh, with my man Patrick Davis. I'm Rod Babers right here on the horn. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. get back to um, the conversation about the external factors that are helping increase the draft stock for these Longhorns. Talked about JT Sanders, how the best bargain in the NFL right now, other than having a rookie quarterback, a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract, I should say, is an elite tight end. A tight end that can produce like a wide receiver one, and i got to pay you like you're a top tight end. Uh, we talked about the D tackles, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, because the NFL is playing a lot more two deep safeties playing with lighter boxes. It means you need bigger humans who can clog multiple gaps with their size, or you need D tackles that demand a double team. That's both Tavondre Sweat and that is both Byron Murphy. They can do that, and with teams now playing with lighter boxes, you need better D tackles to flip the, the, the numbers in your favor by demanding a double team or to be able to clog those gaps and be elite run stuffers both of those guys can do it and their draft stock is increasing as a result of that too we talked about keelan robinson that they changed the nfl kickoff rule to the xfl kickoff well keelan robinson's draft stock should increase and i don't think he'll get drafted but even as a priority free agent some team may decide hey we need an elite returner on our roster he is that he can provide that for a team a lot of a lot of examples that i have like this another one is the wide receiver first of all the nfl is obsessed with, with wide receivers right now. They just like drafting them. It's become a premium position. They believe in, in order for your quarterback to prosper, you need elite wide receiver play. 
if you go look at the just the amount of wide receivers that have been drafted uh, in the last few years, I mean, the, the number goes up. And wide receivers, are, by the way, they're playing and producing a lot quicker. If you go look at wide receivers with 100-plus targets, um, hell, in 2017, 2018, the number was zero. Uh, in 2018, 2019, excuse me, it was one. But in 2020, you had five rookie receivers with 100-plus targets, four in 2021, three in 2022, and three in 2023. Times, they are changing. So they're drafting more wide receivers, drafting them higher. This is good for A.D. Mitchell, good for Xavier Worthy. And here's another trend for Xavier Worthy, because Xavier Worthy is kind of skinny. He's kind of slight, and some people, that's a knock against him. There have been 24 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft since 2000 with a body mass index of 25 or less. This is the area that my man uh, Xavier Worthy's in, right? His, his body mass index, he is, you know, he's slim. He's, he's probably at 22.7. That's below 25. Uh, Devontae Smith, famously, skinny receiver, won the Heisman with start calling the plays. Yeah. 23.1 body mass index. These are the skinny, slight guys. So there have been 24 of these guys drafted in the first two rounds since 2000. 25 BMI or less. How about this? Nine since Devontae Smith was drafted. So you went 21 years and only had 14 of these receivers drafted in the first two rounds. And you've had 10 such receivers drafted in the first two rounds in the last three years. That's good for Xavier Worthy. The NFL That's doesn't good. care about slight, skinny receivers anymore. I mean, you can run. That, that, it's a less physical league, right? You don't have to worry about yeah. getting your block knocked off as much. Well, no, and it's about, you know, you're trying to get that separation and you're trying to find whatever. And I think Tyreek Hill is not slight, but that speed, when people saw what Tyreek Hill could do, and you go, well, we just get the speed. No one's touching Tyreek. So if we sure. see what he's doing and no one's Good touching luck. him, who cares <laughs> if they're slight? It doesn't matter. Tank Dell only got hurt because he was run blocking when he shouldn't have been and got rolled yep. up on. But Tank Dell, we see what he did where he – Went into a team where you know people still say they need a wide receiver. Nico Collins had a great year, but Tank Dell, it becomes a top wide receiver for the Texans. And that so if you say these guys are out there and it doesn't matter, we talked about it with VY earlier. Did you ever see him take a clean hit? You go as long as you're not putting these guys over the middle, you're not you're not running a Tom Brady offense, uh, throwing Dan, Danny Amendola and Wes Welker and all those guys over the middle. Then you know, then you're fine. You just go. These guys are going to be outside. Don't put them in situations where we're going to get them killed, and they'll be fine. And don't run block with them near the goal line. Nah, probably not a wise idea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, wide receivers are just being drafted so with, with a higher frequency, higher in the draft. Yeah. From 2019 to 2023, there's been an average of if you go look at 10 wide receivers taken in the first two rounds of the last five drafts. So. I mean, that, that, and that, by the way, that number, it was 11.2 prior to last year's draft because there were only eight uh, taken in the first two rounds. So it's, it, to me, I, there's, this is the deepest wide receiver draft they've said in like the last they, – they'll say that every time because it's yeah. the deepest position in football at any level. But they've said it's the deepest wide receiver draft in a long time. Seven projected wide receivers in the first round, three in the top ten. Those are good numbers for Xavier Worthy and for A.D. Mitchell. Uh, okay. Can we got time for this Will McClay sound really yeah, yeah. quickly? Because uh, this is really interesting. So Will McClay was asked about what the Cowboys are going to be looking for on the defensive side of the ball with a new defensive coordinator in mind, right? Very different than 
what you had with Dan Quinn. Uh, Mike Zimmer's coming in with a, you know, he's going to run a more uh, stabilized defense, right? It's going to be a more traditional style of defense. Dan Quinn was very multiple, very progressive, very modern, um, but also at times unstable. Um, with his defensive structure. Let's hear from Will McClay, the uh, Cowboys personnel man, talking about what they're looking for with the new defensive philosophy. What was that biggest shift whenever Zim came in as far as a draft perspective strategy goes? I think we're probably going to look more so at those bigger bodies on the inside, stopping that, and then we're always looking for linebackers. That's a position that, you know, in free agency and in the draft that we're going to have to look at because we want to add more uh, more players there. Obviously, Zim replacing DQ as um, the DC, but when you have a new coordinator come in, how challenging is it having to adjust your recruiting style when you have to adjust for a new coaching style? That, you know, that's the beginning part of it. It's like we want to find the ingredients for their recipe, uh, and it's the communication with them, uh, trying to understand that, and then getting an opportunity again to talk to them as we're looking at taper and you know with that short window now watching players on the field and hearing the coaches talk kind of helps us with that as well zim's uh i say recipe a little little, what's his recipe he he wants to play solid football up front um we're going to try and turn the ball over and it's speed and it's versatility yeah i see dan quinn was built on hybrid players um, he ran. He ran more probably as many twists and stunts up front of D line as any team in the league. He loves sub packages. There are five and six DB packages. He loved pre-snap disguise, so we'd, he'd rotate his safeties a lot. Uh, those are things that are, are those are traits that I think are unique to a Dan Quinn defense. I don't know if you'll – and he played a lot of man coverage. Um, you'll, you'll get a lot of man coverage with Zim too, but I don't know if you'll get the rates of, of distortion and deception with the pre-snap movement and shifts with the safeties. Yeah. I don't know if you'll get the D-line stunning and twisting as much. Those were things that Dan Quinn did to confuse blocking schemes and distort pre-snap reads of quarterbacks. That's why they forced a lot of turnovers because they did confuse and distort and deceive a lot of offenses. Yeah, I mean, I think that yeah, the Zimmer is going to be a little bit more about power and trying to just yep. impose your will a little bit more than than what Dan Quinn. But I, I, it's also going to go into it's not like the Cowboys have a ton of cap flexibility. They'll be able to make some moves and get a little bit more. But I, I think, you know, at least for this season, you're going to have to kind of use what you have, uh, try and pick a few pieces. And I, he said at the top, I think they need to address linebacker and address – that interior D line and the rest of it is, you know, see what you can bring back in that secondary, but you're going to have to kind of deal with a lot of the pieces you already have. Uh, you, you said earlier, the Overshawn question, where are they going to be able to do with him in, in this offense where we know he's much better as the, you know, off ball linebacker or on ball linebacker and coming off the side and, and blitzing a bit more. I don't know if they're going to use him there. It's a question of, you know, is it, you know, need over what's best for him what are you going to be able to get Micah Parsons convince him to do this season? Uh, because, you know, if you're able to use him and he, you know, can be a team player and can be convinced that it's best for the team if he works on these skills and, and does a couple other things differently, I think what would help with that is if you get the contract extension done. Yeah. Because once you pay him, then he's not playing for the contract anymore and maybe he'd be more willing to not just try and get that edge money. But... <laughs> Once we, you know, once you get through that, then that's really the question of where you go in the draft. They need a draft defense because you have a new, you have a new coach in there. You have to find a couple more places. If we've seen what the the trend was before, Mike McCarthy wasn't the guy in the war room who was fighting for his own players. 
he was okay with them drafting defense in the last couple of years. So I, I could see them going a lot of defense, and that's the question of when you say big guys in the middle, is there any interest in a Tavondre Sweat to try and shore up that defensive line? I know they took the interior defensive lineman last year, but it's a different D.C., and did they say, screw it, we messed up on Mozzie, maybe we can trade him, maybe we can use him in different ways, but you know, do you go there? Do you go off-ball linebacker in the first round? That seems early for that. Or what do you go? If you're, if you're going to try and go defense early, who, where do you go if you're the Cowboys? They won't go defense early. They'll go, I think they'll go offense. They'll go O-line. They'll go, they'll go O-line, O-line yeah, that's another, yeah. Yeah, they'll go O-line early, and I think they'll – defense may get second round, though, if it's yeah. Tavondre Sweat is there or somebody like that. Uh, for the Cowboys, the formal interviews, which is formal meetings that they've had at the Combine, I'll just give you the, 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 the position. We won't go through the players. Uh, I'll just give you the positions to let you know exactly what they're eyeing and coveting. Linebacker, 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 D-tackle, 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 cornerback, 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 cornerback. So – <laughs> their formal meetings have been linebacker, D-tackle, yeah. cornerback. That's obviously where they're looking. And I think linebacker is going to be that top priority because that's what essentially got you beat as badly as uh, you got beat in the playoffs against Green Bay. They just went power football at you, and you were throwing DBs out there. Hell, I, I just read that Marquise Bell is going to move back to safety. Uh, that's going to be one of the Zimmer adjustments early on, moving him back to safety. Remember, he was one of your linebackers. You had one linebacker that stayed healthy the entire year. That was Damone Clark. And that's just – and like yeah. I said, I, 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 I think for the Cowboys, that was initially a weakness of Dan Quinn's defense anyway was the guts of it. That's why they brought in a Jonathan Hankins. That's why they drafted a Mozzie Smith. They drafted an Overshone. They wanted to try to reinforce and stabilize the interior central nervous system of that defense because that was really the only place where they were weak. And once again, that vulnerability was exposed in the playoffs and exposed last season, right? Arizona beat the Cowboys that way, kind of running down their throat. We saw uh, – uh, with Buffalo, um, we saw that with Green Bay. I mean, they ran, they ran right at Micah too. That's that's become a common theme: run at Micah, run away from Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, and, and we'll see in that secondary what they do in free agency because if they bring back Gilmore, they bring back Jordan Lewis. There's not a lot of room uh, to bring. You know, then you have Jerron Bland and Trayvon Diggs already there. You have guys yeah. who've gotten you know defensive player of the year votes. I, I'll still say I'm on I'm on board with shopping Deron Bland and his value if you can get a first-round pick for him because I, I think in the Dan Quinn system was going to be his best uh, best ever. You've already got Trayvon Diggs, who's a ball hawk. If you can call up the commanders or you can call up and go, hey, man, you know we've got a guy that got defensive player of the year votes, and we can re-sign Gilmore and we can bring back Jordan Lewis, and that's still a good secondary, better than a lot of teams have. But we don't know. Deron Bland did well for us last year. But he kind of, and him and Trayvon are similar players of ball hawk guys. And we don't know if he's going to recreate that. We'll gamble while well, he still has a low contract. We're not going to be able to pay him. We know we're not going to be able to pay him in two years when his contract comes up because we're already paying Trayvon. So, we're, you know, he's making $2 million. He's going to want a big raise in a couple of years. If you get that value and you can get a first-round pick from him, I'd at least shop him. I'd at least put it out there if the price is high enough that – this is a guy to help us because we can build in other places and try and compete in the next couple of years with that window. Would you take a second round pick for him? I'd take a second and something else. So a second and a third. First, first would be tough because he was a fifth round pick. I exactly. Think. And that's what I'm saying is yeah. I don't know you, you necessarily go out and say, well, I'm going to take him. You know, I'm going out there and trying to find the best deal for him. But I think if you float it out there, he's available. We'll keep him if we need to because we've got a, What about a second and a veteran corner? Yeah, that might do it, or a veteran linebacker. 
Or a veteran linebacker. That's not bad either. You know, no, I'm not opposed to that. That's 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 not a bad strategy. It's not a bad because I agree with you. You don't want two ball hawks at your safeties. I mean, at your two corners. Yeah, that 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 leave that's way too volatile. And I don't. Yeah, I think I think Quinn could go with that a little bit more than Mike Zimmer is going to go for that. Yeah, maybe you could trade him. To, trade him to Quinn. Trade and that's what I'm saying. Quinn's out there. You have uh, the, the D line yeah. coaches in Seattle now. Maybe he yeah. likes him. Maybe you can go it's get him. You know? I think there's it's teams that have connections that may like him. He got Defensive Player of the Year votes. Like his it's value not, will never be higher. Nope, it won't. He won't have a season like that again. Even Trevor and Diggs didn't have a season like you know the one yeah. he had where he set the interception record. He didn't have one like that again. No. You don't. The turnovers they've shown and the studies have shown that it's mostly a luck thing. It's a turnover luck thing. You players are in a position to make those plays yeah. where the ball bounces your way all the time. You just man, you need to go buy a lottery ticket. It, that year's <laughs> your year. Exactly. Uh, all right, uh, good stuff there, Patrick. All right, we come back. We'll wrap it up. Put it in the oven. We got uh, another segment. One last segment. We'll talk. We'll, we'll play. Who said that? Play some audio and wrap this thing up uh, right here on the Rodcast with my man Patrick Davis. I am Lifetime Longhorn Rod Davis right here on the Horn. The Rodcast with Rod Babers and Patrick Davis. Standing in line on judgment day. I'm not talking about religion. I got bills to pay. 5-1-2 Friday edition of the Rodcast. That's when my man Patrick... Uh, you take songs from very talented individuals or actually talented groups as well. Could be a band, could be an artist. Uh, and you place those jams for us and then uh, lets you know about uh, an opportunity that you may have to go see these very talented individuals. Uh, who are we jamming right now on the 512 Friday, Patrick? This is Cody Jasper, and he's going to be playing Saturday at Buck's Backyard down in Buda. Hey, I know what that is. Buck's Backyard. At yeah. one time, it was home of Hornbash. Yes, it was. And oh, it yeah. was a home of a lot of flooding and everything else during Hornbash. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> was, yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I guess that was, hey, we had a lot of fun. But We I did. Guess. There was, there was at one point, a slight scare that the, our Christina, mm. our, our awesome marketing yeah. woman, might have been float, might have floated away with one of our trailers. Yes, that I was an actual thing that, that happened that year. Yes, they were like, "Is she? Is she in the trailer that was washed <laughs> well, away?" Well, the trailer's not here not. anymore, and we don't, yes. we can't get a hold of her. Luckily, oh, luckily, yeah. she was, she was not. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, talk about the best of times and the worst of times. That really Woo. was what the horn bash was. It was the best of times. We had a great time. Got a chance to meet all the listeners, uh, and then ultimately, yeah, we had disaster <laughs> uh, as well. But that's okay. That's all right. We still had a good time. And Buck's backyard is where you need to go to watch some live music this weekend. All right, we're gonna play. Who said that? We just play clips of audio that I send my man Patrick, and you can play at home. And then we reveal later who said that, and we talk about the audio. So Patrick, anytime you want to dial any of those clips up uh, that I sent you, All right. um, you can dial any of them up. All right, let's go. You talked about wanting to run a 4-2 with somebody record, John Ross, 4-2. Yeah. Are you ready to see your number under threat? I think it's there. Yes, apparently that's my man Xavier Worthy because Xavier Worthy uh, believes he can break the combine record. That's what he's talking about. Believes that he can break the combine record of four two two. Is he running that fast? He must be running that fast in workouts, Patrick. He must have. Gonna... But you do think he had that that coach's timing? 
That one where you get <laughs> that stopwatch. Oh man, you just ran. You just ran a four one one. Yeah, I, I, you know what? You would think that he'd be using electronic timing because he'd be training at a really high class facility. <laughs> I, but yeah, that's bold, man. That's bold. I don't know. We, I, I'm gonna take it with a grain of salt until we see it because we do know that Tavondre Sweat said you better watch out, and he did all right, but he did say I'm gonna run a four four. <laughs> he, did. he did say he's going to run a 4-4. Uh, but remember, RG3 tweeted that a 5-2-7 a at 366 pounds is actually the equivalent, if he was 180 pounds, of a 4-2. Yeah. No, so, that's, that's RG3 like, yeah, math. Get there. Yeah, you go. <laughs> so, uh, it's a mental gymnastics to do it, but you could do it. So there you go. All right, let's uh, play another clip uh, for Who Said That. Think of all 32 coaches in the National Football League. Who's running the fastest 40? <laughs> Ooh, great question. I know it's not Andy Reid. I'm not. I'll put myself. I'm, I'm not running. I'm, I retired from running a long time ago. Yeah, I'll say Raheem. Raheem's probably the he, – he's got the best chance, I think. I'm going uh, Sean McVay. McVay, uh, he still thinks he's an athlete. He still works out. He's, he's pulled his hamstring and his quad over the years. I think Mike McDaniel. I think he might have a shot. Mike McDaniel has no chance of beating Sean in the 40. Have you ever seen Mike McDaniel run on the sideline? Uh, his shoes are probably going to be too nice. Um, Sean's going to open up that gate and get that stride going. He's going to wear Mike out early. D'Amico's a recent player. Maybe can I put D'Amico up there? I know he's a linebacker, but he played sideline to sideline. I wouldn't sleep on Kevin O'Connell either. It looks like he can still run. Um, I don't know if my hamstrings would survive, but I would still give myself 40 yards to beat anybody out there. So I have to tell you, Doug Peterson. Maybe Kevin O'Connell. Did indeed say it was you. Did he really? And Doug's a quarterback guy. You know what? That makes me feel good. You know, if it's a little bit longer, if it was 100, I'd go Matt LaFleur because he's got the long stride. But Sean McVay definitely gets his all in the 40. There you go. Sean McVay. But the coaches are the coaches don't look like coaches back in the day, though, Patrick. Now they're all in shape. They're all, they're you know, they, they don't. Wearing they, suits. They, they, they work out a lot. They work out. Wearing suits and smoking at halftime. Exactly. All the foot used to look like Andy Reid. Now they don't look like that anymore. No. Now they're all, you know, they're all attractive no. and young, and they're all in much better shape. Hey, did you see the video of Tom Brady basically the, the, running uh, the, the overlap? 40? Yeah, the overlap yes. where he beat his time. He beat his original combine time, and now he's like what forty? Was he forty five or something like that? 46? I don't like that. That ain't that ain't right, man. Come dude, on, take a break. You're retired. Like, He's aging like Benjamin Button. He really is. He's, he's better looking now than he was in his 20s, and he's faster. Yeah. How the hell is that possible? What is Tom Brady know. doing, man? He made a deal with the devil. Uh, hey, Patrick, you're the man, brother. That was I'm so not. much fun. Looking forward to so it, man. Fun. Looking forward to uh, lots of uh, shows. My man Patrick on the Rodcast. Thank all you guys out there for joining us on the Rodcast, being back. We appreciate all of you guys. Uh, remember, the revolution will not be televised. We talk about it right here on the Rodcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Be safe and join us back here, same time, same channel on Monday. Peace. Episode, hey.